Good morning. Let's all stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing the chorus. God bless America. God bless America. reflect on those who paid the ultimate price for us to enjoy this privilege of coming and worshiping without fear, but having the freedoms that were paid for, the freedom to sing our patriotic songs, the freedom to sing our hymns, the freedom to pray without fear of persecution. And uh, we as all people should be the most grateful because we are blessed. Amen? Amen. So let's open our service in a word of prayer. And, uh, and in that, we're going to remember and pray for 
all the families who sent off young people to fight and defend our country and their family, their loved one never came home. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come before you and Lord, we are ever so grateful for the country we live in, for the freedoms that we enjoy. And Lord, we know that those freedoms do not come for free. Somebody paid. And Lord, we know that moms and dads sent their boys and girls. And we know that those boys and girls, they went forth with all the hopes and dreams of every other young person. But they paid the ultimate price. And I pray for their families. I pray you comfort their families. I pray for our nation, that we would be a grateful nation. And over this Memorial Day weekend, I pray that you would draw us as a nation back to a place we are, where we are a thankful people and an appreciative people. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated.
Lord is faithful, isn't he? This morning, we have something a little bit unusual. Every year when we do Memorial Day, I, I usually go through and um, find a great video that just reminds us of the sacrifice paid. But this year, actually, we have something unique and different. And Jen Billings, where is she? She is going to come and she's going to talk to us about her uncle, Sergeant Howard R. Belden. Thank you, Pastor Taylor. Um, so just to give you a little history, um, when my dad was in middle school, he was 12 years old, his brother Howard, who was 17, enlisted in the U.S. Army, and he was deployed to North Korea. And in July 2000, he never came home. I should put that out there. In July 2018, they had on the news that President Trump had negotiated to get the remains of U.S. soldiers home. And um, we found out in October of this year that my uncle Howard was one of the soldiers that his remains were coming home. So um, we um, decided, my dad decided, um, and me as his power of attorney and his spokesperson, that he would have a full military burial at Arlington National Cemetery, which happened in this month, on May 12th. So I made a video that I hope would just you know, help you guys to, to understand it's closure. 70 years later, a family that's been divided has united. And um, God is good. And we need to remember those sacrifices that these young people make all the time. So there you go. William, it's all you. <laughs> If tomorrow all the things were gone I'd work for all my life And I had to start again With just my children and my wife I thank my lucky stars To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away An American, where at least I know I'm free, and I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today, cause there ain't no doubt I love this land, God bless the USA. To the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. Well, there's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say That I'm proud to be an American 
things are so distant and far away from us and we forget that within our church family even things like Memorial Day it has touched people who you worship with people in the same pew as you people who come week after week their family somebody they know paid the price for you to be able to enjoy the freedoms you have so thank you very very much Jen I appreciate that John I'm going to turn it back over to you Please stand again and together we lift up and sing about the mighty power of God. I sing about the mighty power of God. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and filled the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to There's not 
that outlasts darkness, hope that's in the blood. There's future grace that's mine today, that Jesus Christ has won. So I can face tomorrow, for tomorrow's in your hands. All I need you will provide, just like you always have. I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. I'm fighting a battle. today and when it's gone I know you're not you are my hope and stay and when the battle's raging your spirit is my help I'll fix my eyes on Jesus Christ and I'll say it is well oh I know that No more fear. 
like you to take your Bibles with me, if you would turn to Psalm 43, 43rd Psalm. Title of our message this morning is learning to look up when things are looking down. Learning to look up when things are looking down. Memorial Day weekend, Memorial Day, is a time when we look at pretty sad things. It's a time of reflection. It's a time when you think back to individuals like Sergeant Howard Belden, who went to Korea and never came home. We think of soldiers, sacrifice. When we come to Psalm 43, we find King David penning these words. And King David was The Bible says, a man of blood. He was a warrior. He had fought many, many fights, had killed many, many enemies, had led many armies. So much so that his desire in his heart was to build the temple of God. And God said to him, no, your son will, but not you, because you're a man of blood. So when we come to this text and we find David penning these words under the inspiration of God, we find somebody who has been touched by the sorrows that we're called to remember on Memorial Day. So listen as I read it. I want you to hear King David as he talks about the way it affects him. Judge me, O God. And plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill, into thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. 
So David, as a king, as the leader of armies, as a soldier himself, there were those times when he thought about the deceitful and unjust enemies that would war against him and his nation. And we see him struggling here with, with the emotion, even sensing a separation from God. But as we look at this text, we also find him regrouping, reconsidering. He steps back and he says, as I look at all that has transpired, I must never forget to look up to God. And you and I in our country, in our nation, even today, we look at the things that go on around us. And I'm telling you, sometimes you can really feel like things are looking down. This thing that happened down in Texas this week, yet another one of these school shootings that strike into the heart, the core of us as a nation. We have to remember to look up. Because while we ourselves individually cannot change what has happened to our culture and our society, we can look to God who is great and almighty. And we can ask him to show our leaders, to guide those in authority, to help those that can make a difference, to begin to change our culture away from a culture of violence. King David struggled here in this text. He's struggling with discouragement. Things are looking down. He is fighting an oppression of enemies against him. And sometimes life can seem to beat you down, can it? When you look here in verse 1, he simply says, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Even though he was the king of the nation, he looks out at that nation and he sees that which just pulls him down and discourages him. He says, oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. And if we're not careful, we focus so much on the negative, we completely miss the positive. We miss that we do have neighbors who care for us. We miss that we do have friends who love us. We miss that we do have coworkers who work hard. Instead, we become focused on the random, the crazy. And even like David, if we're not careful, we can begin to look at the whole nation as a deceitful and unjust people. So if we're not careful, we can get really beat down. We come to verse 2. He says, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? David is absolutely feeling separated from his God. He's concerned and worried about what's happening in his nation. He's concerned and worried about the enemies that encircle his land. And he says, Lord, where are you? And sometimes in our lives, we can come to that place where we look and we say, God, where are you? Why has this happened? Why is this happening? But it requires of each of us to step back and regroup and reconsider. To look more deeply instead of so shallowly. And understand that the wickedness and evilness of mankind 
whether it be in the time of David or right now in our time, is the natural outcome of the sinfulness of humanity. And sometimes it's shocking, heart-wrenching. Even as we, we think of Jen's young uncle when he went off to war, you know that he went with the, with the same march, the same song. He went with the same heroic vision and the same dreams and hopes that he would go forth and serve his country and come home and marry and have children and live a long and happy life. But it was not so, was it? And I am sure that his mom and dad, I'm sure they were crushed. Can you imagine getting that call? That knock at the door. David here. As a man, not necessarily as a king, but just as a man, he's battling. He's battling that struggle of being beaten down. And, remember, and, and he's forgetting who his best friend is. And instead he is focused on his enemies. And that's something we all have to be very careful of. We can all of a sudden draw a line in the sand and we begin to think that it's only me and mine and everybody else is against me. And David's struggling with that. He's working on that. We have to remember that the Lord is always there for us and God's people are there for us. That's why when you look at verse one, he says, judge me, O God. He says, Lord, I need you to look in me and help me to understand who I am and why I am who I am. God, I need you to judge me. Help me to see myself properly as you see me. Because if we're not careful, we see ourselves so very differently than we are. We can be extremely harsh on ourselves as well as others, can't we? We can look and we can say, well, if I was there, I would have done this or that. That would have never happened. But we weren't there. And we really don't know. Here, David, he's struggling within himself. He's battling within himself. But he knows the place to reach is God himself. We have to remember the Lord's attributes. We have to remember that he cares for us. He helps to see us and he helps us to see us as he sees us. And I know that's a lot of words to simply say. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. That we might see clearly what we can do to walk with him in a greater way. Verse 2, David starts tapping into it. He says, for thou art the God of my strength. And that's what's so important for us to remember. Is that in our weakness, he is able to make us strong. We as a country, we desperately need to come back to God. That we in our weakness might once again be made strong. Strong in character, strong in person. Strong in faith, even strong in humility. 
Learning to step back and say, not my will, Lord, but thine. Learning to step back and say, I don't know it all, God, but you do. Learning to let him lead instead of us take charge. Here he is. Yes, the king of the land. Yes, the general of the armies. Yes, the conqueror of many. But he makes it clear, thou art the God of my strength. It's not in, it's not in and of ourselves that we do great things. It's when we tap into God Almighty that we are able to do great things. When World War II raged on and the United States refused to get involved, there was a, a, a strong isolationist mentality that we did not want to get into another world war. World War I already was supposed to be the war that would end all wars. And all of a sudden, within a very short time, the world was looking at another world war. And many in the United States said, no, we need to just let them fight it. Let them do it. We need to not send our boys. But when Pearl Harbor happened, all of a sudden America said, it could come here. It's not that far away. It could come here. And do you know, our government at that time called America to prayer. They would have prayer times on the radio where they would call America to prayer. Why? Was it that America was not a great and mighty nation? It was. Not all that it is today, but it was definitely a fully industrialized nation. And it would eventually be the nation that would turn the tide for Hitler and all of that to be defeated. But they started calling our country to prayer because they knew we needed strength. Your country right now needs prayer. It needs prayer. It needs prayer for the boys and girls that are in our little preschools and kindergartens. It needs prayer for all those kids in elementary and middle school and high school. Our country needs prayer. We need God to give strength to a weak leadership that's gone on for decades and decades and decades and let us as a culture collapse. David knew he needed the strength of God to empower him to just come back to a place of strength, comfort, security, because he was floundering. When you come down to verse 3, he, he lays it up and he says, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Now, it's not that David had lost power. He, he had not lost power. It's not that he had lost influence in his, in his nation and his people. It's not that he didn't still have mighty armies and and the most cutting edge weaponry of his day, he did. But he knew that what he really needed was the light and truth of God to lead him. 
Because you can go into battle with all that would seem to be victorious. But without the hand of God, you're flailing in the wind. And he knew. He needed the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. John 14, 26 tells us, as Christ was speaking, he says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So within those two verses, we learn that God has given us his word to guide us and instruct us. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to teach us and to help us. So when we start talking about looking up, when everything is looking down, we understand that he has given us a manual. He's given us a book of instruction. This book, this manual is the very thing that is the word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Christ himself said, listen, when I leave, my father's going to send you another, another even as I, the comforter who will teach you and who will bring you remembrance of the truths I have taught you. You and I are not alone. We are not left to fight by ourselves. Whatever goes on in our culture, our society, our world, God has given us a book of truths to light our way and guide our paths. And for you and I that have received Christ in our hearts and our lives, his spirit dwells within us that he might comfort us, teach us, remind us of the truths that would enable us. In fact, when you come down to verse four, listen to what he says. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Now remember, this is the same guy who starts out and says, O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Why art thou? Why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? And yet we come down just a little way and he's saying, yes, I'm going to go to your altar. I, I have exceeding joy. I will play upon the harp praises unto thee. And all within a few verses, he takes us from his struggle to his victory. So that we might in a concise and short manner understand that no matter how down it's looking, we can always look up. But, it's, but it is a choice. As I've gotten older, I've noticed that when I walk, I look down more. I noticed that, I don't know, maybe six months ago. I, I had walked down to feed my cows and to give them water and grain. And I was walking back up going to my truck to come to work. And as I was walking up, I, I realized I'm not looking up. I'm looking down. And I thought about that many times because I, I, I notice I do it all the time. And it's because as I've gotten older, I've become more cautious. 
You know, because you can, you can trip on a pothole or a rock. Maybe a grandkid left a toy in the way. The real lesson, the real teacher, are Legos. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, if you're not watching where you step and you step on one of those Legos, it's an eye opener. So as I've gotten older, I've just, I've just kind of become more looking down. But I decided at my own peril that I need to look up more. I live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. I've been all over the United States. I've been in a number of foreign countries. And I can honestly tell you, you live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. But if we never look up, we never see it. If all we're looking at is that brown gravel all the time, we never see the beautiful vistas that are before us. David, within a few verses, he pulls us from looking down to look up. And he says, Lord, I will come to your house. I will come and worship you. I will come and play the harp and sing praises unto you. He had to look up. For sure, if you watch the news every day, man, can that pull you down, can it? Bad news sells. But sometimes you've got to shut it off. You know, go get in your car and drive to a nice vista and look out across Lake Champlain. Go find yourself a dairy farm of distinction. You ever see those signs out there in the front yard? Go find yourself a dairy farm of distinction and just park there. And look at how pretty the fields are and the cows. David had to come to a place where he stopped looking at the, dis, the dishonor of dishonorable people. Where he stopped looking at the enemies. And he had to refocus on the blessings. We must take steps to look up. It all begins with prayer. That's where he began. The entire verse is a prayer. The whole text. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. This is a prayer. When you are feeling the lowest, the downest, the most discouraged, reach up. Reach up. Don't dig deeper. Some, some folks dig deeper. Listen, you don't want to get that hole so deep that you can't get out. You got to look up. And that's exactly what he does. He begins with prayer. And then he begins to advance. Memorial Day is about soldiers. Soldiers who fought and paid the price. They didn't pay the price, the ultimate price, by staying behind the lines. They were the individuals who advanced and put themselves at peril. 
When you look at verses 4 and 5, you find David advance. He's not advancing against an enemy. He's advancing for the Lord. Listen to what he says. He says, then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. He advances. He doesn't stay where he was down. He got up and kept going. It's like Peter when he denied Christ three times. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ in a mock trial. He's getting ready to be put to death. I mean, it looked down. And then Peter denies him three times, third time. He's cursing that he doesn't know Jesus. But the text tells us he looks up and he catches the eye of Jesus Christ. And he left that place weeping. And the next time we see Peter, he's up. He's up. He's up preaching and teaching and calling people to repentance and salvation. He didn't stay down. Don't let this world beat you down when you have a God who wants to lift you up. That's what David is giving to us in Psalm 43. You must come to the altar of God. You must praise the Lord as he talks about in verses 4 and 5. You must put your hope in him. In fact, it's fantastic that that's how the text ends. Listen to what he says. I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He says, God is the health of my countenance. Who is the health of your countenance? Who is it that makes you smile? Who is it that puts that twinkle in your eye, that bounce in your step? You might say to yourself, well, well, actually, you know what? It's my dog. Every morning I get up and that dog, it wags its tail so hard, its whole back end swings. And it just puts a puts a smile on my face. And I'm glad your dog makes you smile. But a dog's got about 15 years. That's a pretty short span in your lifetime. If your whole life hinges on a dog, that's a short hinge. You need something bigger, something better. Well, actually, like John, you know, he might say, well, actually, it's my wife. You know, I met her in college. She's a cutie. You know, I don't know how I ever got her. Right? It's true. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, and John, he gets up, he thinks, he says, yeah, it's absolutely Hannah who puts the wag in my tail. <laughs> and that's great. It's good. But life is, <laughs> you need the brownie points, buddy. <laughs> but you know what? Life is long enough that sometimes our spouse isn't with us all the way to the end. 
you know, maybe three quarters of the way. I don't know. Every one of us is different. You need something bigger than your spouse. You might say, well, preacher, it's my kids. I'm telling you. I was talking to Matt Boer last Sunday. We did baby dedication. And Matt told me and told Sandy too. He, he said, wow, I can't believe what a difference having a baby has made in my life. And it's true. It's incredible. It's amazing. But someday, see these, these three young ladies right here? Someday they're going to come to mom. And they're going to say, mom, you won't believe this guy. He is amazing. He's so much like dad, it's scary. <laughs> no, I'm kidding about that part. Who knows? But all of a sudden, they're going to say, listen, I'm getting married. He's asked me. And you know what? They're, gonna move, they're probably going to move out. You know. <laughs> Not always. I mean, there are some, some who come back, but probably going to move out. And if your whole life hinges on that 18 to 21 years, that that boy or girl is going to be at home. What's going to happen when you're sitting across the table from your husband or your wife and your kids are gone? Where's your smile then? What's, you, have to have, you have to have something bigger than your pets, your hobbies, your spouse, your kids. And that's exactly what David says. He had all those things, but he makes it so clear. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Who or what is the health of your countenance? It needs to be bigger than all the things that are upon this earth. It needs to be God. And we look at our nation and we wonder what has happened. Why is it so ill? What has happened to our culture, our society, our children? They have stopped looking up. We've kicked God out. And the health of our countenance as a nation is no longer there. We mourn and grieve that which we do not understand. The breakdown of the nuclear family the safety and security of our schools, the comfort and safety of even our borders. We as a people, we need to look up. Don't, don't, don't let all that's going on pull you down. But look up. Look up to him and know 
that he cares for you. This is Diana. And she received Christ as her Savior the other day in my office. Has been coming to church for oh, about a month, just about. And from Kenya, right? Yes. And so pray for Diana as she is in the United States and, and trying to get things in order with all her documentation and paperwork. So pray for Diana. But she received Christ and immediately told me that she wanted to be baptized. And so this morning we are going to go ahead and baptize her. And Diana, if you were to die today, what would happen to you? Amen. And do you understand that the baptismal waters don't save you? Yes. Who saves us? I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd be with us as we go forth. I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. Help us tomorrow as we have Memorial Day. Help us, Lord, to take that time to be thankful, to be a thankful people for those who are willing to do so much to keep us safe and secure us. I pray that you would be with our nation, that we would turn, even as David, and look up to the Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.